Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In today's episode, we'll be looking at the 1937 Walt Disney Studios film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. This episode will be slightly different from our other episodes you may have heard. We won't be diving into a deep analysis of each scene. However, we will be giving our opinions of both the overall film and the songs from the film. This will be the first in a new series from us, focusing on the animated movies owned by Disney. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy our analysis. So Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It is a 1937 American animated musical fantasy film produced by Walt Disney Productions and released by RKO Radio Pictures. It is based on the 1812 version of the Brothers Grimm fairy tale. It is the first full-length traditionally animated feature film and first Disney animated feature film. The story was adapted by a committee of artists whose names are Dorothy Ann Blank, Richard Creedon, Meryl Demaris, Otto Englander, Earl Hurd, Dick Rickard, Ted Sears, and Webb Smith. The supervising director was David Hand, while William Cottrell, Wilfred Jackson, Larry Morey, Purse Pierce, and Ben Sharpston directed the film's individual sequences. Snow White premiered at the Carthaway Circle Theater in Los Angeles, California on December 21st, 1937. It became a critical and commercial success with international earnings of more than $8 million during its initial release. And this is equivalent to around $150 million in 2021 dollars. Snow White also held the record for highest grossing sound film for one year until Gone with the Wind was released the next year. It was nominated for Best Musical Score at the Academy Awards in 1938, but lost. However, next year, Walt Disney was awarded an honorary Oscar for the film. The award was unique, consisting of one normal-sized Oscar, plus seven miniature statuettes. I just also want to address, we do have an episode where I dive more into the behind the scenes of Snow White and the, and the Seven Dwarves. However, in my personal opinion, that episode is terrible because it lacks Ashley. And it was also early on in my developing editing skills, which I'm still learning how to edit this podcast correctly. But yeah, it's, it, if you just want to skip it, totally understandable. Luckily, I'm here to keep us on track with this. Yes. And so we start off with the opening credits. The background music is the overtune for Snow White. And in my opinion, it was a lyricless version of one song, another song from the film. I'm pretty sure it was. Mm-hmm. So I agree with that. I do have things to say about the credits because, you know, eventually we kind of transition to credits being towards the end of the movies. But right now we get 
the credits at the beginning of mm-hmm. this animated film and all the credits are pretty much animators there is no one else on these credits yes yeah. animators people who directly worked on the film there's no voice acting credits I don't think anywhere there there's no song credits so it's nothing which yeah. is understandable because to be honest there's not a lot of talking in this movie it's very true mostly animated scenes with music at the background of them like that's what it is yeah it's it was also kind of a different time in Hollywood studios like at this time period actors more or less were owned by studios like you were under contract to work for a certain studio and that's that's how movies got made so yeah you wouldn't necessarily have to credit the actors with the roles that they played especially if their face and their and likeness isn't shown which I know in, I think, I can't remember if it's, if it's Snow White. I know in other Disney animated films, I've seen behind the scenes of like the older classic Disney films that they actually yeah. did film the actors acting, like playing the roles out and everything. They do do that. I've never seen any of that done for Snow White, but I imagine that they did because hmm. That's how that's how a lot of characters are drawn to, mm-hmm. especially in later movies. You know, I'm thinking like Lady and the Tramp and specific like specifically how some of the songs worked. Like you can look up background information on the songs being recorded right. and see how they took the actors kind of expressions and, and everything expressions and, yeah. and put them onto the characters. Mm-hmm. And something that continues to today with like CGI and green screen and all that. Uh, you know, you'll see the act and even video games I'm a big fan of Red Dead Redemption 2 and that was all capture animation like they had the actors in suits uh, those big suits with the polka dots all over yep. them and that's how they they made the video game but I also wanted to point out Walt Disney's credits that he or his line I should say here where he says my sincere appreciation to the members of my staff whose loyalty and creative endeavor made this production possible and that's from Walt Disney and I just, you know, you always hear horrible things about Walt Disney and how he abused his staff. You don't know if they're necessarily true. I've heard, rum- yeah. I've heard rumors that if they screwed up one panel, he would tear up everything that they had drawn and make them start all over. I don't know if that's necessarily true or if it's just one of the stories you hear about him. But here he's giving credit where credit's due. I mean, you have to imagine how much work went into this. You know, this is traditional animation. This is mm-hmm. all hand-drawn panels every singular movement by a character Mm -hmm. or animal requires an entire panel that was photographed I have a lot of respect for traditional animation this is not an easy thing and it was also the first film of its kind no one had ever done a feature-length hand-drawn animation film before and I believe everyone like told them oh this is going to flop it's going to fail and here it led to the success that we know today so this is one of my absolute favorite things. It's the Snow White book opening. I love it whenever, like, I, I can clearly remember this happening in Snow White, in Sleeping Beauty, and in The Sword and the Stone. Like I have Happens very cl- in Pinocchio, you know? It, yeah. It's, it's very much the traditional book opening that yeah. we see. I don't know what film they stopped doing that, but it's something that we see pretty consistently. Yeah, I can't remember if The Little Mermaid had it or not. No. Yeah. I, so I think... either around that time or like somewhere around that time, they kind of dropped off from doing the book opening. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, oh, here's a Disney movie, like the book's opening and we're, we're going into this into the movie. And I also have the quote here. It says, once upon a time, there lived a lovely little princess named Snow White. 
Her vain and wicked stepmother, the queen, feared that someday Snow White's beauty would surpass her own. So she dressed the little princess in rags and forced her to work as a scullery maid. Each day, the vain queen consulted her magic mirror, magic mirror on the wall, who is the fairest one of all? And as long as the mirror answered, you are fairest one of all, Snow White was safe from the queen's cruel jealousy. Yeah, you know, it's the background story. Yeah. We don't have to see, you know, that's something they didn't have to animate, basically. They, we didn't it, have to get that extra 20 minutes of background. We just yeah. get it in a nice little paragraph. And we don't have to have any lines of Snow White saying, oh, you're my stepmother, blah, blah, blah. You're so beautiful. Like not, nothing like that. We get just the background there. It's interesting, though, because it's not a direct quote from the Brothers Grimm. It, it took elements of it, but it's it's not a direct quote. It's just interesting, in my opinion. And then we have the castle shot. It looks beautiful and it closes in on a window and we transition through the window to the evil queen where she's approaching her magic mirror. And the first line is slave in the magic mirror and she's calling upon it. And I, I just think it's interesting that the first two characters that we meet in the first Disney film are the evil queen and the magic mirror. That's true. Yeah. First characters we ever see are villains mm-hmm. and, and I, iconic villains at that. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I have memories growing up in the 90s around Halloween. Oh, I can't remember his name right now. I want to say, who was it that ran Disney Studios? Michael Eisner. Michael Eisner, thank you. Um, I have clear memories in my mind, and maybe I'm getting it wrong, but I remember around Halloween time, either on ABC or on uh, the Disney Channel, they would have features of Michael Eisner talking to the Magic Mirror whether it was on Sundays, before, like, because they had, uh, you know, Disney Hour or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, because he was very, he, as, like, a CEO of the company, was very involved in wanting to, like, bring back things that Walt used to do and, like, be on TV, talking about the company, talking about the characters. Like, mm-hmm. that was his shtick, so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they would have, like, they. I remember the Magic Mirror would be there and would introduce a movie or something like that with Michael Eisner. So yeah, the magic mirror just held up as one of those creepy things for me as a kid. You know what? It's still very creepy. Like, I don't know what it is about like this particular version of the mirror, but like, it's a bit unnerving. Just... It, does, it doesn't have eyes. I think that's what like, it's, it, it's like a silhouette of a face. Yeah. Well, neither does Snow White half this movie. So <laughs> fair, fair enough. But so speaking of Snow White. <laughs> We transition to seeing her scrubbing the castle steps and then singing to the birds the song Wishing Well. I have in my notes here, the prince is riding by and hears her singing. So he comes and he joins her. And then Snow White runs away from the prince, but listens to his song from her balcony. And the song in this scene is I'm Wishing slash One Song. All right, I'm going to get this out of the way now. I do not like Snow White's singing voice, so no. I'm not going to like a lot of the songs in this movie, if I'm being honest. Like, huh? the songs in this movie, while they are classics, are definitely not my favorite, and I will apologize for that now. Also, they tend to animate her with her eyes down a lot, and it annoys me so much. Like, I mm. get they're trying not to animate her eyes much. I do, I understand it, but almost half the time her eyes are just down like facing down like her eyes are closed Mm. it's very annoying 
And the only thing, other thing that I find interesting about this scene is that she is animated very softly in this scene with soft colors. Like she is not bright and colorful like the prince is. Like he comes riding into the screen. The queen in the mirror, bright, colorful, bold lines, bold colors, prince, bold colors, bold lines. She is so soft, mm-hmm. has no defining features really, just soft, no lines no colors, no saturation, and she could blend in with the background. So I, I think you, you said a lot there. So I'm going to try to oh, no. address it. No, you're good. But I think one, the voice was kind of what they were, you have, you have to think about 1937. Like they're trying to make her sound young. And oh, I know they're going for the young princess la vibes. I do get it. I, I personally don't like it, but that's I understand. I understand. <laughs> and I didn't notice the whole, like her soft colors and no lines until you said it now. But I, I think maybe that's an element that they were also going for too. Like, Oh to yeah, say- I, I think that because she does like immediately get put in her iconic dress, like mm-hmm. just two scenes later, I think. And her iconic dress is very much bold colors, bold lines, so. Very well. <laughs> so we transition to the evil queen and she's, anything else you'd like to say about that scene? Yeah. Or- you don't want to point out the prince has his uh, manly, you know, we go from Snow White's soft singing voice to his true <laughs> you know, I mean, I will tell you, he's a very effeminate looking prince himself. Oh, yeah. Like his own coloring and his own like facial definition. Mm-hmm. Everything's very soft in this movie. It's very old traditional style of Disney. It's all soft. Everything's soft lines anyway, even when they're kind of bolder. Right. But so we, we transition then to the evil queen telling the huntsman to take Snow White into the woods and kill her. She wants him to bring back her heart as proof of her death. And I have here that uh, in that scene, Snow is comforting a lost baby bluebird as the huntsman approaches to kill her, but he can't bring himself to harm the little princess and tells her to flee. And after that, we transition to this is something that I love from these early Disney films here. Peter Pan, like when they want to do creepy, they do creepy very well. They turn, it's a creepy dark forest scene. They give the trees eyes, the branches or hands reaching for snow. Uh, at one point she lands in water and the logs that are floating in the water are drawn to look like alligators. It's just, it's fantastic. I uh, remember finding this scene scary as a child and I'm like, nope, now, now I know. It's, it's in fact kind of a scary scene yeah and it's something that they do very well with their early films in my opinion where between the way that it's drawn and the music when they want to make a scene cute it's very cute it's got cute music it's got cute scenery and when they want to make it creepy it it gives that element of creepy I don't know if it's just I watched this as a child so it still gives me those feelings as an adult but I maybe but I also think it just comes from that's the vibe they're going for it's mm -hmm. not like today's animation where which is much more reliant on the voice acting and stuff this these are reliant on the color palettes mm-hmm. the way things are drawn and the music because mm-hmm. like I said earlier we don't get a lot of voice acting in any scene in particular we just kind of have a lot of music so our feelings are bound to be based off of what we're seeing and what we're hearing which isn't talking which is just scary music and lots of scary trees right And then I have the woodland creatures come to comfort Snow and bring her to the home of the seven dwarves. 
And the song for this is Animal Friends slash With a Smile and a Song. So I'm going to go ahead and agree with you here. This isn't one of my favorite Snow White singing songs. No, it's not. It's not a great song. Uh, hmm. I do appreciate them and how many animals they decided to animate in this movie because one of my first thoughts was, who decided to animate like 50 animals in the scene? Because more power to the people that had to draw every little animated animal movement because yeah. there are so many animals. Mm. They could have easily had like two deer, two chipmunks, a bird. There's got to be like 50 animals in the scene. Yeah. In like every animal scene. Agreed. And uh, all the little tasks that the animals get up to too. Yeah, it's wild. Again, I'm much more impressed with the animation than I thought I was going to be on every level. In the next scene, Snow decides to clean the cottage with the help of her animal friends. I don't know if we want to point out it, you know, she thinks the cottage is the home of children, but she decides to clean it because it's such a mess. And the song here is Whistle While You Work. And I have here Snow White's line about the children not having a mother. Classic Disney theme that we see time and time again, like in Peter Pan. You know, they're looking for a mother for the lost boys. And just the lost mother or lost parent is just a general Disney theme. I do like Whistle While You Work. Yeah. I will say I do like that song. It's very classic to me. It's a mm -hmm. good song. Well, the next song is probably the one that people most associate with Snow White. But if it's not the next song, it's Whistle While You Work, in my opinion. Yeah. So in the next scene, we're in the di uh, Diamond Mind and we find the Seven Dwarves. And they're singing possibly the most iconic song from the film, Hi-Ho. Uh, I also tried to find out if the opening to it where they're going, we dig, 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 is a different song. It is the same song. If you yeah. look up the lyrics, uh, I also know there is the Snow White Mine Train ride at Disney World and this, the Seven Dwarves ride in specific, and this is part of the ride in the song and it goes right into the hi-ho part so it's it's one song mm. it just appears to be i thought it might be two songs but no it is in fact one song yeah mm -hmm. so in the next scene snow white exhausted from all the cleaning falls asleep in three of the dwarves beds and the dwarves arrive at their clean cottage and are suspicious of it i have here that the animals also sleep in the beds until they hear the dwarves coming home and this poor little turtle who's going to become a running theme or a joke throughout the film uh, just reached the top of the stairs when the other animals run out, knocking him down the stairs. The turtle is my favorite little yeah. critter. Right. They Agreed. always leave him behind. Mm -hmm. He's always <laughs> catching up. Yeah. And good for him because he keeps he keeps going no matter what. And the dwarves think that Snow is either a monster or a burglar. And when they realize that it is Snow White the princess and the troubles that she is facing with the evil queen, they invite her to stay with them. Uh, they are typical men. They fell for the food immediately when she's like, oh, I'll cook for you. They were like, cook? Yeah, sweet deal. Stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have here the next scene is Snow White preparing dinner for the dwarves while they go wash up. And the song, I hope I'm going to say this correctly, is Buttle... Uddle, um, dum, also known as the dwarves washing song. I just have it written, written as the dwarves washing song, and this is my least favorite song. This is my least favorite scene. Really? Everything about this scene just like annoys me. See, I find this scene funny. Not, I, I can agree that the song is slightly annoying, 
but like grumpy being like, oh, I'm not going to wash and no one's going to make me like, you'll never see me being all la-di-da. And then they all grab him and scrub yeah. him clean and then put like bows in I his beard. I think the and end everything. of it is good, but I think most of the scene, I just end up like cringing because, I, and like, I get it. It's supposed to be like, we're having a teaching moment in our film, how to wash your hands, guys. Mm-hmm. But I, there's just something cringy. I don't like it. Like. I hated everything. I'm like, are we done with this scene? I'm I'm ready to be done with this scene, like completely done. If I remember correctly, this was actually a replacement song. The original song for the scene was supposed to be a uh, song in your soup or something like that. And it was going to be the dwarves like eating the soup that Snow White makes for them. But they decided to go with this instead. And then back at the castle, the queen discovers that the huntsman lied to her about Snow White's death. While consulting with her magic mirror, she descends into the catacombs of the castle and hatches a plan to kill Snow White. So I just want to say, I never really thought of it until this time viewing it, but Snow White's father had that dungeon with all these bodies in it and everything. I mean, we, we don't know how long he's been dead for, but it, it is something like it's not the queen's castle. It's Snow White's castle yeah. uh, and her father's castle. So it's just interesting to think about, like there are skeletons in the in the catacombs and everything. They all can't be from the evil queen, though probably most of them are. And I, here I put my note about the animation team really captured everything. The cute scenes are cute, the creepy are creepy, and the music helps with the scene setting the mood. And I also wrote that the queen's raven or uh, crow, I'm not really sure if it's a raven or a crow, is frightened of her when she transforms into a hag. And I was just wondering, do you think it's the same crow that uh, Maleficent had as her little friend? No, I think they're different. I will say that transformation scene was very trippy. Very. uh, And also, I was surprised by seeing the heart box because Mm -hmm. it looks so much like the one on Once Upon a Time. Like, I never realized how, like, close those were, minus this one being very colorful by comparison. Mm Mm-hmm. They are very similar looking boxes. Agreed. Yeah, the the transition of uh, the queen into the hag form uh, with the swirling colors in the background, like as her hands transform into those creepy mangled hands, it's done very well. Yeah. So moving right along, back at their cottage, the, the dwarves entertain Snow with their song and dancing skills. Snow White tells the dwarves about falling in love with the prince. And there are two songs in this scene. The one is called the Silly Song or the Dwarves Yodeling Song. And the other one is Someday My Prince Will Come. Now, I think Someday My Prince Will Come is iconic, but casual fans might not know that it's from Snow White. Yeah, I feel that. Like, I think it's easy to forget that this is from Snow White because it can be put with really any princess and Mm -hmm. like easily thing. I do love the silly song, though. I will say that. I think gives off fun vibes. Oh, yeah. And even Grumpy, who's the miserable one, obviously enjoys it to some degree because he's playing the, uh, well, it's not a piano, uh, an organ, I guess. Yeah. Like, if, if he was really that miserable, he wouldn't be doing that. So we then have the evil queen preparing her poison apple and setting off to kill Snow White. And here... I wrote a note about how when I was a kid watching this film, I always assumed that the skeleton in her dungeon was the huntsman, but perhaps not. 
And in the episode that I did about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves previously, there's a fan theory that it's actually the prince that's in her. Like it's him that's the skeleton. Like it's difficult to believe because he's a skeleton already. But some people, there was a drop storyline from the movie where the queen actually got mad at Snow White because she wanted to marry the prince and he rejected her to be with Snow White. And some Disney fans theorize that that's the prince in the dungeon. And later in the film, when he arrives to kiss Snow White, it's actually that Snow White has already died. And the castle that they arrive at is heaven, like together, like they're reunited in the afterlife. Given the castle that they go to at the end is very clearly in the clouds and Mm -hmm. like very odd considering they could easily, A, go back to her castle or go back to whatever his castle is. Why are they going to this castle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like that theory myself, but hey, there's evidence for it. So Oh, I don't like the theory, but mostly because I think that's too dark for what is inevitably a children's film. But Right. The dwarves go off to the mines and warn Snow not to let anyone in the house. And my note here is Snow kissing Grumpy on the head and it melting his cold heart. Like he's just he's he's so joyful that she ki- like kissed him on the head and everything. Which is probably why he's leading the charge. Honestly, he's more in charge than Doc. I know Doc is oh, like yeah. in charge, but Grumpy's like Grumpy's like, I let Doc think he's in charge. I'm the one doing all the work here. Exactly. <laughs> so Snow is preparing a pie specifically for Grumpy with the help of her animal friends, and the evil queen in her hag form arrives. She tricks Snow into eating the poison apple, which she calls a magic wishing apple. And the animals that were helping her run off to get the dwarves help. The dwarves realize that Snow must be in danger and rush home. And again, here's that turtle. He just arrives at the mines when the dwarves set off with the animals in the opposite direction. He is my favorite. Yeah. Honestly, the creepiness that is the evil queen just showing up at the window like, hello, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm here. Yeah, you can see the look of horror on Snow White's face and all the animals flee and everything. Yeah, it's a, it's a very creepy scene. They like not only cut to her being there, but they also like close in on her face really yeah. fast. I'm like, no wonder I found the evil queen so scary in her mm-hmm. hag form. Like, Agreed. Terrifying. You would certainly know better than I, but do they have anyone walking around Disney World in the hag form? Like no, just the mm. regular queen. Mm. Probably too creepy for us to have. I mean, there the hack form was on the ride when it was when they had Snow White's Scary Adventures, which was just mm. your typical dark ride. They took some parts of the old ride when they built the new coaster for the Seven Dwarves. If you at the end of the ride, there is the scene with them dancing to the silly song, and the hags is kind of like sitting outside the door. Hmm. kind of there as like an ominous presence but that's about it okay if they had one if they had an actor in the outfit walking around it might scare children or something I'm surprised, like that you know what they might have had one at some point even especially at, i know it's mickey's not so scary halloween party but like they do have all the other villains at hmm. the scary halloween party so like i imagine at some point they probably did have her as a hag somewhere in the park okay i don't know where that would be i don't know when not in my lifetime going to the park. <laughs> okay. The evil queen is chased up a mountain by the dwarves and a bolt of lightning causes her to fall to her death. And as if this wasn't enough, the boulder that she was trying to push onto the dwarves falls down on top of her. 
And we get our typical Disney death, the villain dying by natural causes, basically. Yeah. The hero. Because we can't have our good guys murdering out here. No, although the dwarves were totally going to kill her. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. We actually don't even see her dead body. Usually we don't see the dead body in Disney films. I mean, we don't see anything. Like even when Snow White takes a bite of the apple, Mm. we don't get her taking the bite of the apple, really. We don't get her like dying. We get true. Her, we get the apple rolling out of her hands right like, which i think is done well because like the focus is on the evil queen's face and she's just getting more and more joyful but like even we get words on the screen that describe like they couldn't bury snow white they didn't have the heart to like i have that instead here. of getting actual die yeah yeah i have that here in my notes in the next scene the dwarves are devastated to find snow dead uh as they believe and build a glass coffin for her. The prince arrives and kisses her, waking her from the curse, and they live happily ever after. And we have those book lines that says, so beautiful, even in death, that the dwarves could not find it in their hearts to bury her. They fashion a coffin of glass and gold and kept eternal vigil at her side. The prince, who had searched far and wide, heard of a maiden who slept in a glass coffin. And the song in this scene is Love's First Kiss, or also called Finale. Which is just kind of a repurposed song of all the other songs anyway. So So I guess we'll go into our final thoughts and our overall score for the film. I give it an 8 out of 10. Maybe we'll come up with something cute like Mickey ears or something like that. Um, But for right now, it's just an 8 out of 10. And I feel like if I had seen the movie in 1937, it would easily be a 10 out of 10. The animation still holds up, and while hand-drawn animation isn't as popular as it once was, today when it is done, it is generally improved over what we see here from 1937. But the imagery and the aesthetics of the film are so iconic and influence so much of the Disney films, especially the princess films, that you just have to respect and enjoy it. I would say I would give it a 7 out of 10. Not because I... I'm probably going to be very hard on a lot of the older animated films, not because I don't love them. Like I like Snow White, but it's just, it's not a favorite. I know at the end of the day, I like so many other movies more that it's hard for me to be like, let me give this a really high score because then everything's just going to have a high score because Mm -hmm. I love a lot of newer films. I love a lot of the Disney Renaissance films and, you know, I know we're not there. We haven't watched any of them yet. I do think this holds up. It's a really well done film. The music isn't there for me. And if I'm rating a lot of these based off of do I love these songs, none of these songs are making it anywhere near the top 50 songs. Like I do not like them that much. Mm. I'm, I'm sorry. And I can't rate it that high because that because I think while I love it, and I do think, like you said, if this was 1937, this would be a 10 out of 10 because it would be so amazing, but that's not realistic to where we're at, where I'm at right now. Hey, I think that's perfectly fair. If I was being 100% honest, if this came out today, my score for it would be much lower. Like I would probably think that it was boring and, you know, not, it doesn't hold up to the other Disney pantheon, but I'm putting it in context of it being the first, you know, something had to be the first and I give it a lot of credit at that. There's other Disney films as we go through this that are older Disney films that I will end up giving a much lower score to, you know, maybe I'm just a sucker because it's the first one, but I'm, I'm giving it an eight out of 10 based on that. 
I will say I also, I don't know if Jason's going to join me on this, but I have always wanted to just make a list of what, you know, read the Disney songs in order, put them in a nice list of how I'm feeling. So I'm doing that while we're going through all these. And, you know, I do have the list for particularly this movie. And I would say Hi-Ho is first for me. Okay. Followed by Someday My Prince Will Come. Followed by the Silly Song. Followed by Whistle While You Work. Then I'm Wishing. Then One Song. Then With a Smile and Song. And then the Dwarves Washing Song, which I already said it was not my favorite. So My my list would be similar. I think I would put, I know Hi-Ho is the iconic song, but I think I would put Someday My Prince Will Come above it. And then I think, what was your second to last? My second to last was with a smile and a song. That would be my lowest. And then the dwarves washing song would be above that. But aside from, I would switch my one and two with your one and two and my bottom of the list would switch. But everything else I agree with. I respect that because I definitely like, when I was thinking of Hi-Ho and Someday My Prince Will Come, I'm like, "Mm, but which song am I more likely to just like jam to? Like if I put this on would I put this on for like, just to put on? I, for me personally, I don't think we're going to get to those songs until the Disney Renaissance. Unless I'm, oh no, there's one or two that I just thought of that I'm like, yeah, that would be on my jam list. But nothing from this film would really be on my jam list. Uh, No, I don't, like nothing would be on this film, but I'm like, if I was going to like decide a song to like, hi-ho, and particularly because I like the, we dig, dig, dig part, not because mm-hmm. the rest of the high, I just like that part. So that's what kind of does it for me over the someday my prince will come. I think just that from a, just a song, not in the context of the film, but just as a song though, I think someday my prince will come has more practical use, I guess I would say. Like you, I've heard it played at weddings and, you know, you, you people make, uh, compilation videos on YouTube to it and everything. I'm sure people make compilation videos of Hi Ho, and maybe that's been played at weddings too. I'm not sure, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I already like I kind of I've already watched a few other films, so I kind of know where my brain is going. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely songs that I like a lot more. Okay. Well, we'll get into that in the coming weeks. This has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to either our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at onceagainpod. We also have an Instagram account, onceagainpod, all one word. We'll be posting questions and possibly doing some live Q&As on there. If you would like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day.